Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hello, friend. I am so excited that you have joined us today on the Vying for Victory podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I am your host, and October is a busy, busy month. In our previous episode, we talked about Infertility Awareness Month and Infant Loss Month, also Pregnancy Awareness Month. And then on top of that, today's episode addresses another awareness month for October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So today on the show, we have Brant and Karen Baylor and they share their journey all the way from a diagnosis to now when Karen is in remission, praise God, and is still living her miracle today. So I'm just really grateful for them and sharing their story and redoing it because the first episode recording that we did was lost and just in their vulnerability to share what God has done in the uh, ugly places and the beautiful places and the redemption, everything between. So here is Karen and Brant Baylor. Today on the show, first time ever, we have two people being interviewed at the same time. And not only are there two people being interviewed, but they were so gracious that when I lost the entire recording in full transparency, they're doing it again. So this is round two. Brant and Karen, welcome. Hi, thanks, Tara. Hey, thanks for having us back. (laughs) Yeah. So again, since people didn't hear the first one, just tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do as a profession, how many kids you have, your weird habits that you want to share on a podcast, anything like that. (laughs) Okay. um, I'll go first. My name is Karen Baylor and I am 34 years old. Just had a birthday. So we are- Happy birthday. Thanks. And Brent and I have been married for 12 years. And I'm a registered nurse at our local hospital, and I do kind of a mixture of things. I do administrative, like the house supervisor role, and then I do some cardiac rehab, and that's what I do for a living. And then in my spare time, I like to just spend time at home. Really, I'm kind of a homebody. I like to do puzzles and read and... We have three kids, one from a previous relationship, and then we have two boys. So our kids are 15, 7, and 5. So the oldest is a girl and the other two are boys. That's me. Okay, I have to ask though, are you the kind of person who like glues the puzzle together or do you just put it together and then take it apart? Is it like a one time? Do you do it multiple times? Uh, Just one time. We do some swapping with some friends and I usually, you know, get them from Goodwill or something like that. So the last one I... I just did my first one for the fall and it was missing one piece, but that was okay. (laughs) Oh, so sad. Yeah. We did a puzzle for our guest book for our wedding. So that's the only puzzle I can get my husband to do. He doesn't enjoy them. That's such a good idea. That way we didn't have, you know, we could be all minimalist and just take it apart and put it in a box, but put it together when we wanted to. Hmm. Yep. All right, Brant. Uh, Yeah, we we live in Bloomington, Indiana. Go Hoosiers. Uh, Ooh. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm 34 as well. Uh, I am a full-time endurance coach, coaching primarily triathletes uh, all over the world. Do a lot of that from home, and I like to participate in endurance sports as well. It's kind of my hobby. 
staying fit and active. But yeah, we stay home a lot, play with the kids. So yeah, we're pretty, pretty simple. Like it out in the woods. Did we talk about the, the pets this time? Oh no, we have. Don't you have a turtle? We have a dog and a turtle and a chipmunk and two cats. Ah, oh, yes. There it is. Yes. Yeah. And the cats don't eat the chipmunk. They try. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody's pretty well behaved. They get along well. Awesome. Y'all are like, I just want to come eat dinner with you. It just sounds like such a fun home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So October is the Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So there's no secrets here. Karen had breast cancer. So will you take us through, Karen, just when that journey started, what that looked like when you discovered it? And yeah, just the beginning. Sure. So I was 29 years old and I have no history in my family of breast cancer. My dad is one of 14 kids and my mom is one of three. So um, I just think it's interesting that nobody has had breast cancer and that's yeah big family. So I was out, I went canoeing, kayaking with one of my good friends over Memorial Day weekend. And afterwards I was just like really sore, like the next couple of days, like my shoulders and under my arms and stuff, because I'm super out of shape. So I was like feeling where I was sore and I felt a lump under my armpit and uh, went to see my doctor and she was like, well, it's definitely a swollen lymph node, but I didn't have any other symptoms of being sick. You know, no other lymph nodes were swollen. So she prescribed me some antibiotics and said, you know, like, let's take these, see if it goes down. And if not, we'll see you back in a week or something. I'm a nurse. I didn't do a <laughs> breast exam at the time. I should have known. But um, so a couple of days later, I just, you know, was kind of thinking to myself, I should probably do a breast exam. And so I did. And I felt another lump in my left breast. And so at that point in my head, I kind of was like, you know, just kind of had a feeling new that this was breast cancer. So I called my doctor back and we, you know, went through, you have to get an ultrasound and a biopsy and all those things. And then, so it was diagnosed as invasive ductal carcinoma grade two, and it was um, triple positive which just means what it re, you know, what it's getting fed by. And then with metastasis to my lymph nodes, the treatment for that is a four, re, four drug regimen of chemo. So I went to chemo, I went and got a port put in because one of the drugs I had to have through an IV for a year. So I went and got a port placed in my chest and then started chemo beginning of July of 2016 and um, did a couple of rounds, I think it was like four months of that, and then planned to have surgery, lumpectomy, and um, radiation after that. So I think I finally finished all of my treatment in February of 2017. So it was just a long, long journey. Yeah. Okay, we didn't talk about this before, but I'm just sitting here listening to this again, thinking about when you first found a lump, like how providential that is, like God's timing. Right? Because because you went kayaking. I mean, that could have gone and gotten a lot worse, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's amazing. Just God's protection and that from the very start. Yeah. Okay, Brant, when your wife gets diagnosed with breast cancer, what are the first things that start going through your mind? I know you're both even keeled people, so this might not be everyone's reaction, but yeah, just take us through that on your side. Yeah, I mean, I remember her coming downstairs and telling me that she found a lump in her chest and you know, that she thought it was breast cancer and 
I just tried to wait until we got everything tested and found out for sure. I tried not to start letting all the what ifs come in. And, but obviously, you know, it's just kind of like, yikes, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, how can that be at how, you know, at 29 and whatnot. So I think I started with a lot of prayer and just trying to take it day by day. And I think the hardest part is the process just takes forever, yeah. you know, getting all the appointments set up and before we could even get her biopsy and the biopsy took forever. And so then it's just, um, wait until you get the results and then you find out it is breast cancer. So it's, you know, as a coach, it's let's figure out what the plan is and you know, what's the next steps so we can execute the plan. But yeah, I mean, it's not something that I think you're ever going to be ready for. It happens. And then you kind of have to take a step back and just figure out a plan. I think that's number one is to not dwell on the what ifs, but get a plan of attack and surround yourself with good people. Yeah. What if the plan of attack doesn't go the way you think it does? Or did your plan of attack go the way you thought it would? Um, it didn't exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's continuing to rely on Christ and faith in Him. And yeah, I, mean, I think that was just the biggest eye-opening thing is that, you know, life is so temporary. We're not guaranteed anything any day. And that praying for His will to be done, but also praying that His will would be that she survived and He would lead us through it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it seems like it took a long time to get through all the steps and scans and everything but really I think you know we found out we found the one of May and started chemo by the first like first second week of July so it wasn't delayed but at you know when it's you <laughs> you you're like this is a priority I know they have all these other priorities going on but it's like I want I want this test tomorrow and then I want to see the doctor the next day and I want you know it's just it's hard to wait because you know two months isn't a long time but when you think you have cancer two months is an eternity <laughs> so as a christian like when we're in this place of waiting what did that look like as far as turning because i feel like they all the time we're just like waiting for a diagnosis waiting for the next thing the next thing did you were you able to find contentment in that place or was it just a daily minute by minute surrender to god Thing. we had some peace in that I love watching y'all look at each other Let her speak first. um I mean again it's just it's kind of what we learned through the whole situation is that there's there's not anything you can do to speed it up you know you really don't have that control so if I have to wait a week and a half to get a cat scan that's fine I'll go and get my cat scan when they can fit me in do you feel like this experience made Corona easier for you and everything shutting down or do you think it was every bit as bad relearning it again? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for her, we almost had kind of probably two different experiences because she, like you said, she's a nurse. So Corona was a huge impact on her daily work life, you know, her workload and every, you know, protocols changing every single day and no one knows what's going on. And that's a dirty word in this house. Cause you know, <laughs> not, not that we're, afraid of, not that we're really like deathly afraid of it, but it, that it's just so much extra work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I come home from work and, you know, towards the beginning of COVID and Brant would be telling me about the cases here or this new thing. And I was like, Brant, I cannot talk about COVID at home. I'm, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do too much at work and I don't want to hear about it at home. <laughs> yeah. Different version of uh, my husband and I, I was a Spanish teacher and he speaks Spanish and that's like, you know, not super common for two completely white people uh, who didn't grow up speaking it. And I would never want to speak Spanish with him because I was so tired from thinking about it and teaching middle schoolers Spanish all day. So not quite the level of uh, importance, perhaps, but I feel you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it definitely each had their different challenges, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just kind of, you know, what's the, what's the new plan? What's the new normal for COVID? We're at home, we're staying safe. We're taking, you know, you're taking care of your loved ones. And I think at the end of the day, it's if the people you care about most around you are safe and healthy, you have a lot to be grateful for. Okay, Brant, random question. I have someone who I swim with, a triathlete, and he's going to a race in North Carolina. Are they opening up races again or just a few? Where was that at? Arizona, I think. Ironman had its first 70.3, I think, in the States just last weekend. Yeah, it was weird. It looked like everything was going to be totally shut down for the year. And now just here at the end, a few things are popping up. So yeah, everyone's wearing masks all the way to the swim start type of deal. And Wow. Yeah, they're limiting numbers, spreading bikes out in transition. Indiana did have a few local races, which they were one of the only states, I think us in Florida, really did get some races in this year. But you don't have to wear a mask while you're racing, right? No, you can take it off. Yeah, once as soon as you start your swim. Okay. Yeah, another part of this is, I don't remember which episode, but I'll link it in the show notes. But Sue Reynolds was on this show. So that's how I know Brant and Karen, because Sue is... Brant's athlete. I did that backwards. Brant is Sue's coach. And so this really impacted her enough that it's in her book about just this was uh, Karen with her breast cancer and, and how you handled it, Brant, was something that really showed her the Lord. And so amazing how God can use biggest trials in our lives. But I know both of you have some stories about how God used this while you were in the middle of your trial. So would you each share a story or so of how God was using this in other people's lives? Yeah. I had just a couple people just come up to me and while I was getting my infusions, cause we were there for hours <laughs> and she would, you know, somebody would say, I like somebody came up to me and said, I just am thankful for you because every time you come in, you're smiling and you're going through this hard thing, but you are like making a difference for me as I'm going through it. Yeah, we had kind of multiple instances of that. We're just like, you know, thank you for being able to show that you have joy. Yeah, because I bet a lot of people don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there were people like me who didn't have, you know, who, who looked sick. You know, they were going through chemo. They had hair loss. You could tell that they were sick. But there was also people who would come in and look totally healthy and obviously have something that's going on where they needed to come to this oncology infusion. So it's just like a big area and you kind of got to know a couple people. You got to um, smile at people as they're going through this hard thing. And um, there's even a couple times where I was able to like pray with somebody or at least tell them that I was praying for them, you know, and I might not know their name, but, but God does. And just encouraging people in that way was, was interesting to be able to do. Yeah. I'm reading Everybody Always by Bob Goff, which he's just such a humorous writer, but he was talking about how he built a complete friendship with someone in three minute increments because he went to the airport and he was one of the guys who check your IDs and he was just like three minutes at a time and they became like incredible friends and yeah, just hung out and we're just a part of each other's lives. And so I'm thinking about that of we just expect it to be, well, I need to invite this person to everything. And it's like, you could just... Yeah, smile every time you go in for chemo and that's glorifying to the Lord. How encouraging that God can use the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's also been, you know, you can witness to people or just encourage them as they're going, you know, empathize with them as they're going through similar things. So there's been a couple other younger women that I know that have been diagnosed and, you know, in their thirties. And so encouraging them through Facebook or, you know, sending them a card, anything like that is just yeah. something little you can do. 
I've kept, I've kept all the cards that I got, which <laughs> I'm not really like a, well, what's the word? Sentimental. Yeah. I'm not really sentimental, but I have like a binder of all the cards that I have gotten. And, you know, so it's just really encouraging because like you're just in the thick of it and you don't really have a lot to look forward to, but going to the mailbox and seeing a letter mm-hmm. in there, from somebody, I was like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> And like throughout the whole thing, right? Because I'm sure you got a ton at first, but maybe it dropped off as, you know, it progressed and it was months and months. Yeah. There was a lady at work who sent me a card, I think every other week. Oh. Yeah. Just really sweet. And we had two, this guy just reminded me of, I don't know if we talked about this last time. We had people in our neighborhood that did a, like a t-shirt drive. They all made t-shirts and got the profits to give us to help for medical bills. And then our high school, our athletic director, we both or, you know, pre-competitive athletes nominated us for the Nas- National Honor Society fundraisers. We went, we went back to school and they raised a bunch of money. Wow. Back down the cure theme thing, made shirts that all the athlete, athletes sold them and whatnot. So again, it was a fundraiser, you know, help us with medical bills and stuff. But I mean, there was just things like big things like that. I mean, she was on the news, they interviewed her in the news for that and stuff. <laughs> for the local news there. So, and then so it was just, you know. Yeah. And then Britt and I were both able to, um, cause it was at a track meet at our local high school. And so we were both like Brant talked to the, the male athletes before their race and, or before their meet. And I was able to talk to the, to the high school girls. And so that was another way that we were able to witness to them and just kind of share what God's done in our lives. So that was, a, that was really nice. Yeah. I mean, I know you seem calm going through this and I think part of that's your personalities as I get to know you, but like, this is a really serious thing. And I don't think I shared this with you guys before, but one of my namesakes who my parents named me after she died of breast cancer in her thirties. I mean, young, young, young. And so it's like, yes, I'm trusting the Lord, but like, this is, you, you could have died, right? Yeah. And I think you asked us last time, like, why did we choose to, you know, go through chemo and yep. why not just be happy with going to heaven and, or like drink carrot smoothies 10 times a day. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No sugar. I got lots of different what? advice that you have to sort through, you know, like, so we decided, you know, we didn't ever talk about not doing chemo. We just both agreed, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, obviously we prayed about it a lot, but we never really considered not doing what was medically recommended, but there was, so the chemo didn't really work for me. We did a couple rounds and at first it felt like the tumors were getting smaller, especially in my lymph nodes. But then after a couple treatments, it was like, actually the, the tumor feels like it's the same size and it was just the swelling that was going down. So we did some more scans and basically the chemo was not really shrinking the tumor like it was supposed to be doing. So at that point, it was really the first time, honestly, that I was like, wow, like I just assumed that, you know, this is breast cancer. I'm going to have my chemo and do all this treatment and I'm going to be fine. And that was the first time that I really considered like I could die from this and It was pretty intense then. What does that look like between y'all? I mean, are you just like, let's pray together? How do you keep your marriage amidst that? I mean, I'm sure you would have to, maybe you have a breakdown one day. I don't know. I know you're a man, Brant, but I'm sure you had some breakdowns, right? Yeah. How do you support each other through those realizations? We really just took it day by day. And if, she, if someone's crying, you can comfort them and whatnot. But I think it's interesting disease because it's not like, 
you're not on a ventilator like dying fighting for your life in that aspect it's just you're taking the medicine and you're hoping it's going to work and you can't really see you know other than she's you know not feeling good because she's on the medication and stuff uh it doesn't doesn't look like the faith of a face of death in that regard so you just kind of knew from the onset that it was going to be a long process and you're just gonna have to weather the storm and hopefully come out the other side it was definitely a growing period for both of us i feel like it strengthened our marriage just because you know we did more praying together than we had in the past and since i wasn't working we were able to go to church together and i worked night shift before i took off for my medical leave so a lot of times we missed church and so we got some consistency there and we had a lot of people reaching out to us and praying for us and making us meals and things like that so i feel like brant and i kind of our relationship grew through that and since the last time i talked i was thinking about like all the things that brant <laughs> did for me while we were in treatment that you know maybe another husband wouldn't do and i was thinking <laughs> He took the kids up to his parents one for like a long weekend and my mom and my friend and her mom came down and just helped me like organize the house and clean and take stuff to Goodwill and that was really nice. He sat in the waiting room with my dad for hours while I was in surgery. My mom and dad came down and my mom watched the kids and then me and Brant and my dad went up for surgery and took a lot longer than expected and you know my dad uh he's he's kind of an odd one so <laughs> i'm sure that Amen. that was a long a long <laughs> wait in the waiting room with my dad but you know so he did that and then he uh i came home with a drain and he ended up taking my drain out a week later so just a blessing that you know he let me sleep when i needed to sleep and um let that. me cry when I needed to cry. <laughs> and so I feel like, I think it strengthened our relationship and I'm sure it was super hard on Brant. But for me, I was just like reminded frequently of how blessed we are to have a relationship like we do. I was going to kind of follow up. It's kind of two parts you asked about, you know, how I was able to witness to other people and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it was kind of interesting because it's almost, you know, as a husband, you're supposed to be the protector and provider and I mean I think subconsciously I wasn't able to protect her you know mm -hmm. I couldn't you know that's out of anyone's control but you're yeah. still then you flip it and you put 100% into everything else you can do and it's almost like you become super powered to I'm going to do everything I'm going to I'm going to take care of her in every other aspect that I possibly can since I can't mm -hmm. protect her from this and then it almost I felt kind of like it snowballed it's like you get more motivation to keep doing it and just giving her everything you possibly can to do your part. And then I was seeing that, you know, in terms of witnessing to other people, I mean, I was, you know, sending her verses on Facebook and whatnot, more so for her and I, and then just knowing that it was a way to, it's kind of like a free pass. No one, no one can <laughs> blame you for, for quoting scripture and all these different things in the face of cancer and whatnot. And so that was just the opportunity was there and it was obvious. I think the bottom line was that me and her needed it more than anything. Yeah. And that was a way really to stay kind of sane and to be in the moment with Christ as opposed to letting your mind wander to everything else. How, or, or do you think, how would it have been different without Christ, the journey? I cannot <laughs> imagine. I know that there's so many people who go through life without that hope in, in God and without 
the peace that knowing Christ can give you or does give you. And I don't know how people get through their day-to-day life, let alone something like cancer or a huge medical issue. I just feel like he gives you that peace in your soul and you know that he's in control of things. And if things don't go the way that, that we want, his ways are better than our ways. And he knows infinitely more than I know. (laughs) So I feel like that is how we can get through the day and how we can just have faith that there's, there's a plan and the plan might not be what we're expecting, but we're going to be taken care of no matter what. Yeah. So Brant, like talking about witnessing on this topic, when or how did you decide as a coach is this just a relationship you have with your athletes or how did you decide yeah i'm going to share the nasty stuff and the real life that's going on i'm not going to hide it i think a lot of us are tempted to just say i can do this on my own but i'm just going to share what's going on with them yeah i think that's a fine line i don't typically just like come out and blurt it out to anyone you know with sue we were working together so much kind of have to let her know what's going on you know we had that that friendship and that relationship. And then, you know, just the discussions about Christ and whatnot, just, they just kind of came about as all this was going on. So I do think it kind of allows, you know, working closely with people, you know, at the end of the day, if we're supposed to be like Christ and act as he did, not that I come close, but people can see a difference in you. And I think that yeah. just by example allows the conversation to happen. So I don't always blurt it out, but as time progresses, conversations like that come up and I just try to answer the questions that people have. That's good. Okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to a while ago, but this is a question I had that I think people might want to hear, which is, Karen, you mentioned that you had to filter through a lot of advice that is given to you when you get a cancer diagnosis. Would you take us through that as far as, let's say, I just got diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm like, I see all these podcasts about it or all these news articles and then one friend tells me this and my other friend tells me this and my parents are saying I should do this. How do you filter through that? um, Again, I would say with prayer and (laughs) you have to just know when to ask people to stop. Um, You know, I had somebody who multiple times was like, hey, come live with me out in New Mexico because we have medical marijuana, you know, (laughs) and um, I didn't take her up on it. (laughs) So there's things... I don't know. There's just so much information out there. And I did go and look at some, some things, but it's overwhelming. It's, and again, I think it's, you just have to put your faith in God because you go online and read through these forums and, you know, there's all these great things that have happened to people, but there's also terrifying things. And I feel like for me, it was just like, I, I didn't want to use my time in that way. So I took advice from, you know, I have a lot of nurse friends who, who work on the oncology unit or the nurses who were there at the infusion center were great with, uh, you know, just being real and honest with me. And so I guess there's just a, a line where you're, you have to consider all that's thrown at you and just make the best decisions that you can. And yeah, and pray and have peace with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like commit to it and then surrender it, I guess. But you're talking about, you know, cards are really nice to receive throughout the whole thing. From someone who's who has not gone through cancer, is it nice to receive advice throughout the whole thing? Or is there a point where you don't really want people 
to keep sharing, hey, do you want to see this doctor? Do you want to, do you want my advice with oils or, you know, just like all the things? Yeah, I guess I always appreciated it because it's just, you know, the way that people are trying to reach out and, you know, be be encouraging in whatever way they can. So I did, all, I did appreciate everything that, even if it was kind of off the wall, you know, but yeah, I think people mean well. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But for the most part, I think it was really encouraging. People have some really, you know, I interview a lot of people who have gone through all kinds of horrible health things. And it's really interesting to hear everyone's responses of like, what helps, what doesn't help and throughout the process because I think some of it's personality and then people are like well gosh like why do you have a podcast on this if everyone's answer is different but maybe that's just we just need to get to know each other and you know I have a friend right now who is just horrible horrible health stuff and I'm like this is a ministry I'm building and I don't know what to do and so I just texted her I said hey will you tell me five things that you really like when people do for you in this time and five things that you really hate because I don't even feel like I know how to serve someone without asking. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think when in doubt, just listen. Mm. You don't have to have an answer. That You don't have to give advice. I mean, I think we feel like as humans, we're supposed to give advice to everyone all the time. And if we don't, then we're not giving them something that's worthwhile. But sometimes you just need to listen and be there. That's so good. We had, um, I was thinking of this too, is... I mean, like with the cards and stuff, you know, it, it didn't matter if there was a gift card or cash or anything. Some people did send that, but just the fact that they're thinking about you, I think is encouraging. Um, our assistant pastor drove all the way to Indianapolis, which is about, you know, an hour plus to pray with us before my surgery. And, you know, that just meant so much to us. He was, he was new to our church and we didn't really know him that well. So that just meant a lot. You know, something like that is something that we're never going to forget. That's so good. Just like the being available, being willing. Right. Absolutely. It's just so encouraging to me even to think that I don't have to have the answers. Yeah. Okay. One thing we haven't talked about is, or you mentioned it a little bit, but the physical changes that you're going through when you get this diagnosis with chemo, the hair loss, Karen, how did that affect you just as a woman with our culture is like beauty is everything. And you know, you lost all your hair and those things yeah oh I've never been like big on fashion (laughs) like looking nice I I wish I did but I don't most of the time Brent's shaking his head he thinks you're beautiful regardless their best quality not really high maintenance so um but it actually it affected me more than I thought it would um so with the hair loss we ended up I had cut my hair short when I got my diagnosis and then it just started falling out in chunks. And finally I was like, Brant, can you just shave my head? Because I don't want it falling out. So he did that like on our back porch and um, I always had like a little bit of stubble. So it was fine. I didn't really wear a wig. Uh, I would wear like a head covering every once in a while. But what, what I think I struggled with the most was after surgery, like, so the tumor was a lot more invasive than they thought. So they ended up taking like, they took actually my whole left nipple and I have just like a big scar. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they took out some lymph nodes on the left. They took out 14 lymph nodes, I think. And so I think that was really more to me like it. I mean, I know it's a lumpectomy. It's not a mastectomy. We, we did kind of deliberate on what to do with that but um yeah. I don't know it did it really I felt like not necessarily less of a woman but 
kind of like I was marred (laughs) and uh, my chest isn't symmetrical anymore and my bras don't fit correctly. And so still I struggle with that. I don't know why I didn't think I would that much, but it's just like, it is, it's hard to feel beautiful when you don't have all your feminine parts. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And then like, plus your, the medicine that I'm on right now, I am 30 years old and going through a medical menopause, basically. I don't have my periods anymore, which is great, but <laughs> you know, I'm hot flashing and have to take medicine for my hot flashes. And so I, I feel old and I just don't have a sex drive. That is a whole nother issue, you know? And so it's just like, my emotions are all off and I can be crazy sometimes. So I think that are the things that we're just like struggling with continually. Um, You know, it's been, gosh, like four years since I was diagnosed and I'm still like trying to feel normal almost. I don't know. It's just like, feels like it takes a lot more from you than you realize. Judy's on the inside, (laughs) not your female parts. I know it. (laughs) And it's, you know, it is nice that like my husband doesn't judge me because of that or anything. And, you know, I know some other men who aren't saved, you know, might, might not want to stay with me because I don't have a left nipple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, um, again, just really am blessed to be here. And I met a lady that was going through chemo at the same time I was and her teenage daughter like wouldn't walk with her on the sidewalk because she didn't have hair and she was embarrassed by that and she was going through divorce and I just you know so looking back and or while I met her I was just like I'm so thankful that my kids still treat me with respect and that my husband still loves me and is encouraging and really like it could be so much worse yeah I just there's a fine balance right between being grateful because everything that you said is true. Like those are amazing things that a lot of people don't have to be grateful for, but then also not negating your own pain. Right. And so have you gone through grieving and just when that comes up still today, I mean, are there days when you're just like, I'm going to ignore this because I don't want to deal with it or God, I mean, do you have like a verse that you say, I mean, what do you do if this is still something affecting you? Is it a gratitude journal? I mean, I don't know. How, how do you, face that that's those are all good ideas Tara. (laughs) Um, i don't really have a good answer for that just taking it step by step right yeah i think something that i've learned is this is the only body we get and to be a better steward of it which i'm still working on but just taking care of our bodies and you know eating healthy and exercising and even the products that we use you know, that type of thing, I think, is something that I've at least become more aware of. Yeah. Hey, you did it today, right? Right before we started recording, you said you just worked out, right? Yep. Got 14 miles in on my bike. Nice. Outdoors? Can you still ride outdoors? Yeah. It was a little chilly, but I layered up, so. Way to go. Okay. Also, Brant sent me a photo of you. What did you do? What race did you do after everything? Oh goodness. So I was going through chemo and I had told Brant that I wanted to do a half marathon before I turned 30. I used to be a competitive runner like in high school, but that was a long time ago. And I have really not run at all. 
And so I was going through chemo and got permission from my doctor to do this half marathon, which I trained, you know, like, I think I ran like two runs. Yeah. Two runs, two runs. <laughs> like two miles before, but my friend went with me and I rode my bike. Yeah. So me and her did this half marathon. It was, it was a super flat race. So that was nice. We kind of like ran, walked it and Brant rode his bike along. And <laughs> I'm also, I'm diabetic. So my blood sugar was dropping because it was, my body was not used to exercising, especially in that distance. And so he rode alongside with me with my, my meter and we would check wow. my blood sugar once in a while. And he'd give me gels and sugar stuff because it was getting low but we finished and that was really fun it was you know I was like well what if I never get a chance to do this again yeah. um, so it was I think the week before I turned 30 the weekend before so I got to check that off my list of things to do and I haven't done one since <laughs> but hey yeah but my friend Kelly she's still asking me all the time about do you want to do this race? Do you want to do this? So I'll do another one at some point. Yeah. So you mentioned being a debt first off. That's awesome. And epic and beastly. <laughs> Let me state that before I go on to my next thought. So I don't forget it, which you talked about being a diabetic. So that was at 19, right? Yeah. I was 19 when I was diagnosed with that. Then 29 breast cancer, which like, I mean, breast cancer could come back. I think Angelina Jolie, like didn't she, she just has it in her lineage. Right. And just got a double mastectomy yeah. Yeah. just so that she didn't have to deal with it. Right. And, or worry about it. So how do you face the, and either of you can answer this, but just the reality that life is short and fragile, but bouncing, you know, there are some things I can do to take care of my body but not living in fear that something will happen at 39 or, you know, that something will come back, just living it truly a day at a time or. Right. I don't know. That is something we joke about. Like every 10 years, something will happen to me. <laughs> so I read a statistic that every five years on average, you have a huge life altering something to happen. So that if we would all just realize that it probably happens once every five years, then maybe we wouldn't be as surprised. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, but like I want something that's, you know, like a life changing, like getting Rich. a new job or winning the lottery. Yeah. Or was, buying a house. I was just talking about that with one of my buddies the other day that like I feel like our whole culture is always like just one more step and I'm going to make it. I'm going to get over the hurdle and it's going to be, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. But really, you just you just go from one, you might be kind of mountaintop, but then you go into valley. It's, it's just, I think it's like that your whole life. And if you always think it's going to be just better, it's going to be better. You're always just going to be disappointed. And if we just flipped it and say, I'm going to, I'm building myself to withstand what's coming next. Then you don't have that huge disappointment. And it's, you know, I just don't think it feels as bad. <laughs> so I think all of these, you know, diabetes was a chance to get stronger for, for cancer and cancer for kids and kids or COVID. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, it just, I mean, it just never stops. Life just keeps throwing stuff at you. Kind of what we had asked our medical group is, you know, okay, so do I get scanned at any other point? You know, the, and really the answer that we've gotten is um, no, there's no point in doing um, any more scans. And then really, yeah. Until you start having symptoms of metastasis. Until so you're sick. Basically, I think, huh. you know, realistically, I, I think this, 
could come back at some point. They do her standard mammogram stuff. Right. Not, not like a full body right. scan stuff. Which not is like- so funny because they, I remember one quote, one of the ladies was like, one of the doctors said, it's less likely to come back in her breast than for her to ever have like gotten it before or whatever. It's like, well, she did get it. So those yeah. very good odds. <laughs> so like, so yeah. So then the fact that they're doing mammograms when they say there's no chance of it coming back in the breast, it would probably come back somewhere else. So it's like, why? I mean, what's the point of that scan? And then we don't do any other scans. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, you're just waiting <laughs> again. Yeah. Like the, pro- the probability is that it could come back and we would just take that as it comes again. But I, I still get like monthly injections and I take medicine every day, um, probably for the next 10 years. Yeah. So full transparency. Do you do breast exams now after this experience? I certainly should. <laughs> yeah. More than I did before. Um, uh, but yeah, well, and it's still hard. It's still hard to like get into that routine of doing it. But yeah, I think I'm more aware and check them more than I used to. Yeah. So just as this is an awareness month and you're a nurse, what are some things that women should be doing? Because this is, I don't know, I, did, I should have looked up statistics, how many people this affects, but I mean, I say almost everyone knows someone. Right. They say as yeah. soon as you have a period, you should be. I think, yeah, like starting breast exams, you know, do them once a month at the same time every month and um, just getting to know your breasts because some people do have lumpy breasts and, you know, trying to figure out what's normal and what's not for you. I never really did have lumps or bumps. So when I felt mine, I knew that it was something different, but yeah, definitely it's so easy to do a breast exam, but I think a lot of women just don't do it. You know, we just, it's not in our radar and it's just not something that I think, yeah, I think you learn it like in your 10th grade health class and then that's it. It's Mm -hmm. never talked about again. And then, so I would just, especially because I don't think, you know, I don't even remember when you're supposed to start doing mammograms. I think it's like 40 maybe. Which would be 11 years after you had it. Right. And I think that's the case for a lot of women. So I would just encourage that. And then just, I guess, just, you know, be educated and know what to look for. And just, I would even just encourage people to, because I'm a nurse, go to your primary care physician every year, even if, even if you're not sick, you know, just go for a well visit, make sure you're getting your labs done because, you know, it doesn't, it might not be breast cancer, but you know, maybe something else will show up. And if you're not just aware and in tune with your body and what your body and its normal is, then you won't really realize when something is wrong. And then I guess I would also just encourage women to advocate for themselves because, you know, the medical field is really busy and they're caring for a lot of people, but you know your body the best. And so if, if you're told that, you know, it's not a significant thing, fight for yourself and say, no, I want this checked out. You know, this is my body. Yeah. And I want to investigate this further. Right. Yeah. It's, it's my story, right? Seven years later and, oh, hey, your arm is degenerating. Oh, figures. I knew pain wasn't normal, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're all, and it goes by so fast every time. We're coming up on the end, but there are a couple of things. One thing that I want you to share about is the freak incident with the port in your chest. I don't know who wants to share that. Brant, go for it. Yeah. I mean, it just goes, goes back to things not going as planned and whatnot, but 
Yeah, so the port is what she used for all the injections, infusions. And so it's actually a little valve, like under the skin, that the needles and whatnot go straight into. And that takes it right into her, her vein. Or yeah, there's her, a or, catheter that goes into your the one of the big arteries. blood vessels in your heart. Yeah, so that she went in for a, they would pump it, uh, kind of clean it out, just flush it. Saline. Once a month. And they went in and did it. And she could tell it didn't feel right. And it was like, wasn't right, wasn't going in. So then they went and took her back, did an x-ray. It was true. It was just like, seemed like everything else. Like, oh, hey, I'm going in for routine thing. Oh, hey, they want me to go back for an x-ray. Next text says, oh, hey, I have to go in for surgery because it's broken. So it actually broke off and a plastic tube, like three inches long, was traveling into her heart. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Which, you know, could cause a plethora of things, leading to death. Yeah. So then they had to go in like like they're doing putting like a stent in in the cath lab up through her groin and actually grab it and pull it out of all her veins. With a piece oh of my gosh. Yeah. So that was just another night, the other day in the hospital, which is kind of silly. <laughs> just seems like, uh, again, and I think it comes back to it's never over. It's just, you're just waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to just like expect horrible things to happen, right? <laughs> uh, and I, yeah. And again, it just reminds me again of God's provision because my, uh, my oldest sister was actually coming down that day to just visit. And um, so she was driving down and I was just, you know, going in to get my flush, which took, you know, less than 15 minutes. And um, so she was coming down to visit and she ended up babysitting our kids so that my, so that Brant could be with me and, you know, drive me home and make sure everything went well. So again, just the timing and little, little God winks all over the place. Exactly. Another adventure to add to the to the books. Yeah, that's what life is, right? So before we go, I want each of you, you can think about it for a second if you want to, but to give us advice, Karen, for let's just say someone is either just got diagnosed with breast cancer or they are in, in the middle of the fight, what would you want to share with them? And then Brant, yours would be, what would you share with someone who is just starting this journey with their spouse who might've just gotten a diagnosis? Okay. I would, I think just say to keep a positive mindset and, um, you know, it's kind of cliche, but never give up and just rely on God to walk you through it and allow yourself to have bad days. Mm, Yeah. But just keep your faith and God is good and he'll provide in one way or another. Amen. It sounds simple, but like if we could really do that, it'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, I think being, I mean, I think number one was, you know, figuring out what your spouse needs from you and then also being vulnerable to, you know, because it's happening to you too. You know, it's not just happening to your spouse. So communicate with your spouse. You know, they want to make, you know, they care about you as well. So, and then being vulnerable with maybe friends and family too. And I think that's, you know, you still want to be the strong pillar as a spouse, but you can go get strength from your friends and family too. That So you can stay that. So you're not putting all the way to the world just on you. It's good. Surround yourself with other people, with good people. Okay. What have we not talked about that you would like to share? What have we missed? Hmm, I don't know. Did we get it? Went in a different direction. Yeah. than last time, but I think it was good. Again, we just want to thank you for having us on your podcast and we're just so thankful for the support that we received like through the whole the whole thing so friends and family and church members and yeah we've just been 
very thankful. We're thankful to be on this side of it. And thank you for bringing some awareness during Breast Cancer Month. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much again to you, Karen and Brant, for being on the show today. I have linked a website, the National Breast Cancer Foundation, to the show notes. So head there and there are all kinds of resources for you from volunteering. You can share a story about you or your loved one who's been affected by breast cancer. You can donate. You can get a free ebook that shares some good knowledge and all the things. So head there if you want more information for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And then join us here again two weeks from today. I'm going to share Hannah Martindale's story from being a PT to becoming the patient. See y'all soon.